We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. The importance cannot be overstated. Language is humanity's lifeline. That is why I thank each and every one of you for your loyal support of the Ephraim Wordis Rare Manuscript Script Acquisition Foundation. Because without it, we would just be stuck rooting around Nag Hammadi. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I don't get it. Why am I, why am I laughing? I, I skipped Obscure Manuscript Humor 101. The Nag Hammadi is a library collection of Christian and Gnostic texts discovered near the Egyptian town of Nag Hammadi in 1945. In other words, Nag Hammadi is where they found the Gnostic Gospels. Didn't you read the episode title? Okay, okay. I get it now. Anyways, back to the ad. Without your support, hundreds of literary artifacts might otherwise have been lost. So thank you again. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we are here to recap Gilmore Girls season four, episode 13. Nag Hammadi is where they found the Gnostic gospel. The bio for this episode is Rory crosses paths with Jess in Stars Hollow. Luke's sister, Liz, visits Stars Hollow and introduces her new boyfriend to her brother. Hmm. <laughs> uh, before we get into things, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, give us a nice little holiday present. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast and listen ad-free on Patreon. Just search for Talking Fast Podcast. You can also email us. Uh, whatever your thoughts are, talkingpastpodcast at gmail.com. Brilliant. <laughs> what were your thoughts on this episode? You know, I thought it was cool that this was like immediately following last week's episode. Mm-hmm. And it was another single day model. So it was, I liked the whole, it felt like a part two almost. And mm-hmm. it had some super memorable stuff. Like, all of the TJ stuff, all of the Jess stuff I found really, um, really fun. And then also Luke's meltdown (laughs) was, like, on the more serious side of things, you know, like, um, just really good TV and good to talk about coming up and stuff. So, yeah, I was, like, um, very pleased watching the episode. How about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really liked this episode. I think for the same reasons, there are a lot of... um, scenes that are kind of iconic Mm -hmm. in my mind like the scene of Jess chasing Rory through town (laughs) is just stuck in my head (laughs) and her like flailing kind of running (laughs) in her nice dress (laughs) and also the TJ stuff I just love TJ and Liz Mm -hmm. so I'm glad they're here and Luke somehow getting drunk within like 15 minutes and then sobering up within (laughs) another 15 minutes is good it's a long day (laughs) yeah yeah, I liked this episode. It had a good dash of Stars Hollow plus drama. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, we will get into that in detail shortly, but before we do, we will do our Talking Fast segment. We will be like Rory buzzing around the streets of Stars <laughs> Hollow, except our version is trying to recap really fast. <laughs> and nice. <laughs> I'm going first this week. Uh, it's mm-hmm. been a minute since either of us watched this episode, um, so we'll see how that goes for me and us. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Ready, set, go. TJ is in town. 
Um, so is Liz still. She wants him to meet Luke. They meet. He's cooking in Luke's. And then they also meet at the Firelight Festival. Um, we see that he's actually really supportive of Liz and that she's actually doing really well. So Luke finally, finally comes around in the end. Uh, meanwhile, Jess is also there going through some stuff. He kind of um, tells Luke how he feels. And he has a run-in with Rory. He tells her how he feels. Surprise, he loves her. And their house is full because the bro the window's broken. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> okay. Okay, let me uh, try and remember everything. Perfect. On your mark, get set, go. Uh, so Lorelai has to go to a fundraiser. She takes uh, Rory, which Emily's angry about, and she has to pretend that she's dating Jason. And then they meet Jason's dad. Meanwhile, in Stars Hollow, there's the Founders Firelight Festival, <laughs> which Kirk is in charge of. And uh, it seems like he's uh, doing okay. And then Jess is there, and Liz brings her boyfriend TJ to meet Luke. And Jess runs out of every place where Rory comes into and there's a big confrontation, and then they don't really make up, I guess. <laughs> Gosh, that was just too much to fit in one <laughs> in 30 seconds. I know. I forgot all about Jason and Kirk and my recap. Yeah. To be honest, the Jason stuff was, like, inconsequential. <laughs> yeah. Except we find out he has a very bad, strained, weird relationship with his father, which I feel like informs things later yeah i feel like it explains a lot about his character (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the way that this episode featured things that were mentioned last episode made last episode make more sense to me like i kind of wondered why did they feature emily so specifically inviting them to a fundraiser event the next day and then we didn't see it in that episode or they were setting up for the festival and we didn't see it in that episode and i think i was like oh, what a bummer that we didn't see it, you know? And I just didn't remember that this was going to pick up so directly after that. And I'm like, oh, we do get to see the event, which is essentially just another reason to have Jason and Lorelai together with Richard and Emily and keeping their whole thing a secret. Um, But with that, I will say, in the cold open, which is, again, a very cold open, literally, because Lorelai's window is broken... My my only question about, like, the timeline of this is when did she break the window? Yeah, that's a good question. What was her explanation? She was trying to, like, close it, I, I think. And it just broke. That just, <laughs> yeah, and she didn't mention it at all the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it was just a, like, this this episode and last episode were pretty tight. Like, they were obviously written together. Yeah. <laughs> but they also realized that they needed some something last minute to happen to bring Luke to Lorelai's house at some point <laughs> and just made this up because it, yeah it's not quite it doesn't quite make sense unless she like broke in the middle of the night but it seemed like it had been broken for a while I don't know yeah agreed an interesting storyline <laughs> yeah but you're right that they needed this something to fit the premise that we're returning to the idea that Luke is Lorelai's husband, essentially, <laughs> because mm-hmm. she's Her talking name. about how she can't hire someone to re- fix it because Luke gets angry at her and goes on about how he could have done it for free. So she's waiting and waiting for him while they're all freezing inside the house. Mm-hmm. And this theme of Luke as a fixer, whether 
requested or not will be a big thing in the episode yeah i also loved in this cold open the little comedic bit of lorelei sitting on this body on the couch (laughs) and it turning out to be lane but like she thinks it's rory and then she's sitting on the person and rory comes out that's that would be terrifying to me totally i would freak out um also though i if i have one complaint about this episode it's that we still aren't really getting any anything more about lane like we kind of get the hint that lorelei is willing to talk to mrs kim for her if she wants but where's the band during all of this Mm. like lane is back in stars hollow shouldn't there be some sort of confrontation we could even have like a Rory Jess moment where Elaine and Mrs. Kim see each other and run away yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. just to like keep that going a bit more because there's so much that needs to happen I feel like we've been left mm-hmm. on the lurch for a few episodes yeah it's like they've sprinkled in just enough to make me remember that I want more <laughs> mm-hmm, you know exactly. like they didn't ignore it completely so I guess I'm grateful for that but it's kind of like being thankful for crumbs in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'll give us some give us anything and we'll be happy for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a really good thing about the band though because I'm wondering how long Lane was at Yale. Like was she coming yeah. back for band practice or did she just would she have to take a bus? Like I don't think she has a car. What are the logistics? Yeah. Like she's dedicated to her craft. I don't know. We also like never found out where everybody else in the band lives i know that new england towns are basically kind of like one huge interconnected metropolitan or like urban area superb suburban area kind of yeah they're all very close to each other so i'm sure they live yeah like in a very close close town but yeah how did they how did that they they probably (laughs) live near the um ice rink you know where they play hockey yeah yeah Yeah. like a mile out of the town square or whatever it was Mm -hmm. that (laughs) That day yeah (laughs) Uh, well anyways the other thing we hear about in the cold open is Lorelai asks Rory if she's thinking about Jess and we're like once again told that Rory is over Jess uh which I think is nobody is believing that Mm -hmm. so that's obviously going to be a thing. They'll have to run into each other. Yeah, they will have a couple of run-ins as we will soon detail. <laughs> but our next scene is my, this like entire scene is my Stars Hollow moment. Oh my God. <laughs> I like, <laughs> yeah. it's iconic. And I, I just couldn't single out a single piece of it because they all fit the puzzle so well. It's like, yeah, we open on this like, traffic jam in stars hollow which is rare to begin with for the town and I, i'm like what did they add in a new traffic light again or something like that <laughs> what's going on here and it turns out that jess has started this traffic jam because he's like got these random guys pushing his car while he's trying to get it to gypsies because she's refusing to walk like 10 feet over to the car to look at it for him and we have also Kirk is like walking in front of the car while this is all happening. We learn that he is in charge of the Firelight Festival. So he's a bit nervous and he doesn't quite 
understand how walkie-talkies function well enough. (laughs) And so then Jess and Kirk are yelling at each other. Jess and Gypsy are yelling at each other. And then let's throw Luke into the mix where he approaches Jess and he's like, you know, I could have loaned you some money to pay for a tow truck. Like, but Jess is like, no, no, no. He's just, they're both very disgruntled by the whole situation. And then finally, at the end of the scene, we've got Jess looking at the back of this girl after he's dropped off his car. And he, you know, it's like, hmm, is Rory on Jess's mind? Because Gypsy then says, that's not her. She cut her hair. An iconic line, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, what drew you to this scene for your nomination? Um, I think the mayhem of it. <laughs> mayhem is a good word. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just like so stars hollow. And the fact that it's really just moving this car around the square. That's the whole holdup. <laughs> and Gypsy standing there watching, just laughing the whole time. Yeah, I just loved it. Also... As we know, anything with Kirk is going to probably get my Stars Hollow moment, and he is on top form in this episode. Although I wish we got an explanation as to why he's in charge and Taylor's gone. Yeah. But either way, I liked it. And he was more successful at this festival than when he does the Easter egg hunt at some oh, point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and they like forget about half the eggs. <laughs> so uh, he can successfully run, a- run an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what's up with Taylor? I I have a feeling that it's a sort of like you could pry this out of my cold dead hands situation unless, you know, otherwise. So he he has to be like incapacitated or something like that. Traveling maybe. Although like how would he travel? Why would he ever travel during the busy festival season? I don't know. Yeah. Isn't there another festival where uh, he is gone and he like comes back and is trying to spy on everything in like a purple tracksuit or something that does sound right i don't remember that we haven't covered that yet so it must be coming up but i don't remember which festival it was more taylor shenanigans to come anyways after this we go to um back to lorelei's house where i have my rory's bookshelf and i have a feeling that's a surprise because there's a manuscript event later I'm shocked. Uh, I'll talk about that yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My Rory's bookshelf is for the Barbie <laughs> uh, band-aids that Lorelai is using to uh, attach saran wrap to the win- the broken window, mm-hmm. uh, which is completely ineffectual, ineffective, ineffective. I think ineffectual and okay. ineffective. <laughs> okay. Thanks. I think they get what we mean, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, But I chose this for obvious reasons. Barbie has had a renaissance this year and I've just been recently trying to like pull together what some of my favorite movies for the year were and I don't know that Barbie was one of my favorite movies but it was it was like definitely a cultural phenomenon Mm -hmm. and I feel like Lorelai and Rory would have loved it. It's kind of right up their alley with like uh, feminism stuff palpable feminism like yeah exactly has a level of feminism that works with the gilmore girls (laughs) feminism. (laughs) yeah not not like 
just kind of the surface of feminism mm. like it doesn't get into intersectionality at all <laughs> even though america ferrera who is a latina woman is the one giving the big speech but they don't touch on that at all i th- i yeah. mean i'm not saying that barbie was like not i think it was kind of revolutionary to have that kind of message in such a popular blockbuster i think it was like for a lot of women who don't think about this stuff all the time mm-hmm. it was probably kind of in uh validating moment but uh yeah so I just wanted to talk about Barbie and yeah did you see Barbie I did and like (laughs) I love I love to be part of a cultural moment you know like I like to be Mm -hmm. up to date on the scene and all (laughs) so I think I saw it twice I found it (laughs) I found it really entertaining and I um yeah I liked a lot I liked a lot about it and I was okay with the kind of feminism 101 vibe because mm-hmm. it felt like that was targeted toward a certain audience, you know? And like, yeah, maybe agreed. I was beyond that, but I'm okay with certain things being a step toward something else, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they did a little bit feel like, oh, we have Issa Rae as president. So that means like we got checked yeah. for intersectionality. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> but she's a great president. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I mean, it is true, like, for a movie that got the hype and the turnout and the like box office results that Barbie did, I don't feel like there's ever been another movie that's even touched in, on these topics in such an overt way or had like Barbies that were uh, trans or different races or I don't think there was any disabled representation. I'm not sure. I don't remember for sure. I think there was actually. I think there was a Barbie in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah, there was. An, yeah, okay. And I think yeah, a Barbie with a prosthetic briefly, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a fat Barbie or two. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we don't usually see. Yeah, they were definitely so. being very intentional, like putting in mm-hmm. an effort for sure. Yeah. Plus, Ryan Gosling was also amazing. I know the movie wasn't about him. Right. You know, I love the musical has- number. And, yeah. like, the surrealness of it when they're in, like, the dreamscape space, like yeah, a dream ballet almost. I saw an interview recently where Greta Gerwig was saying, like, we had so much Ken material that we had to cut a lot. And they asked them, like, would there be a Ken movie? And they, like, really sidestepped the answer. And hmm. I was not surprised by that though from like from the movie I was like that was actually so much more about Ken than I expected it was so I got that vibe and it was just like how ironic that taking on Barbie they were like more drawn to Ken um yeah but I don't know because I don't know because at the end of the day it's like they the whole premise is to like revive Barbie um and think about her more but like is Barbie kind of boring at the end of the day like Mm -hmm. I find Ken boring as well though but like I don't know I don't know yeah I felt like Ken was the stand-in for women in the real world right but I don't and I think a lot of women understood that but I don't think a lot of men who went to see it (laughs) understood that they just saw Ken being maligned yeah (laughs) and were like yes I get that Mm -hmm. too (laughs) uh but you know, we'll get there. Yeah, like I loved at the Maybe. end of the movie when the president was telling Ken or one of the guys, like, you will now have as much power 
and respect as women in the real world do mm-hmm. the whole like oh we're so equal you know and i liked that yeah. tongue-in-cheek like they're like oh clearly that's not gonna be the same amount of power and like yeah you can maybe be like a circuit court judge and work your way up or something like that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think that was of my complaints about the movie i think it was that there was were like mixed metaphors in there mm-hmm. like Ken and the Kens being standing for women and how they're treated in the real world. But then also the whole storyline for Barbie was also her like discover, like discovering her power kind of. So it was, there were some things that I felt like weren't, I don't know, could potentially be conflicting in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> So it was a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Barbie movie, Barbie Band-Aids, the scene at hand. We are back. And the other element of this scene is that as Lorelai is attempting to repair this window, she gets a phone call from Emily, who is in despair because she needs more people for her table remember there's this fundraiser event we learned about it last episode and it's here again and they are her and Richard are frantic and um I think it's really funny that they're trying to like find all of these different people we see them running around and uh Emily ends the scene with a line I need a gimlet, Richard, which I really loved. And I would love to drink a gimlet as well. So I, I felt yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Classy as ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and after that short scene, we go to Luke's where we get to hang out with Liz again. And she's setting up a stand with some of her jewelry on the bar. And Luke is very unsupportive of mm-hmm. this. He doesn't... He, I thought... I don't, he was kind of overcompensating for his fear that Liz would fail potentially based off of what's happened to her in the past and he was like nobody's gonna like this nobody's gonna buy this if they do they just feel sorry for you which I thought was a huge projection and yeah. just not fair and if I were Liz I would have like she was so calm about mm-hmm. it and so just like oh you silly big brother yeah I would have been pissed I know <laughs> if my brothers did that to me I'd be like are you serious like fuck off <laughs> I'm I'm doing this it's so much like it's so extreme mm-hmm. like at what point I I just am like yeah I, yeah sure he's informed by his past experiences with Liz I get it but like at a certain mm-hmm. point it's too far you know it's just yeah. rude and, like, how do you expect her present or future to ever change if you're not going to be, like, supporting and affirming her rather than just, what, are you never going to believe she can do anything or be with anyone? Yeah. Like, where does that leave you both? Like, It kind of makes you wonder, and I'm not saying that Luke was the reason that she, like, went through a whole bunch of bad relationships or all of that in the past, though Jess kind of suggests that, but it's, like... She clearly went through a lot and potentially had really bad or really low self-confidence that led her into a lot of these situations. How is Luke helping with that mm-hmm. at this point? Is He's just like telling her she's a failure, basically. Mm. I don't know. I was kind of mad at him a lot in this episode, even though I also feel sorry for him in some scenes. Yeah, but. it's a real like back and forth 
uh, like mm-hmm. hot and cold my emotions watching this episode he's really going through it <laughs> like clearly yeah <laughs> um and I'm just ready for him to be out on the other end <laughs> of the going through mm-hmm. it because he's really getting on my nerves <laughs> yeah yeah it's like it's as soon as his family shows up and he's not just a single entity anymore, he can't handle himself. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Miss Patty is interested in some of the jewelry and it seems to be a hit. Um, people are already interested, even though Luke still won't believe that they're actually sincerely interested in it. I know. He's such a um, hater. Yeah. <laughs> Kirk gets something for Lulu. He says they're fat. You know, the (laughs) P-H-A-T fat. Like, I I have not heard that in a hot minute. (laughs) Yeah, it's been like 20 years ago or something. (laughs) Oh, Kirk. (laughs) Um, Then we get a quick scene where Rory had left earlier and she's doing stuff about town. She walks into Weston's to get coffee and Jess is sitting there reading a book. I thought looked very comfy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he sees her silently just like and says i'll go and or i'm leaving i'm going i'm leaving (laughs) and runs out (laughs) leaving rory just kind of thunderstruck like what just happened yeah i love that scene i could see how it happens you know they're both thinking Mm -hmm. like well rory's thinking i can't go to luke's because jess is in town so i'll go to wesson's yeah and jess is thinking like oh i'm on the outs with luke's and rory and lorelei go there so they both decide to go to wesson's and lo and behold they run into each other there yeah. And it's just so awkward and a million things are left unsaid, which is very much them, their whole mantra. So, yeah, it yeah. was fitting. <laughs> I wonder what he's reading at this point. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a title because he always folds the cover over. I know. He's that kind of reader. It's like a very masculine way to read a book, I guess. Yeah. And I swear he's he will like put them in his pockets and things. That could never be me. Yeah. Like my pockets would never fit anything I read. <laughs> Yeah, that's because we wear women's jeans. Yeah, we're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> Not those big cargo pants <laughs> of the 2000s. <laughs> he also always seems to have thinner books yeah. that can like fold and fit into He's pockets. He's a paperback guy for sure. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Do you prefer paperback or hardcover? I, I do prefer hardcover, I believe. Oh, wow. I like a good paperback, but I need it to be like a substantial paperback. I like a hardback, but I don't like the cover I usually take that off Mm -hmm. because it just moves around so much when I'm reading but I'm just used to so many library books being hard cover you know because I think those are more durable for them if I get a choice I'll take a paperback paperback. because I like to read with holding with one hand Mm. and I don't feel like hard covers are flexible enough to do that listen a good like People, I don't feel like people, people don't talk enough about like the logistics of a long reading <laughs> sesh because I know I have to hold it differently. Like I after I've had like my wrists be sore after reading for a yeah. while or like kind of my hands cramp yeah, <laughs> or like a big book. I need it on like a surface in front of me. Like I might put it on a yeah. pillow like. Yeah, that's another thing for me. I like to read like laying down. Mm-hmm. And ha- hold it above me. Ooh. So if it's a hardcover, it's it's just too heavy. <clears throat> yeah. Though I did just read like a 800-page paperback, and I feel like I got a bit of a workout. Yeah, that's good, though. You got <laughs> some arm work in, especially if you're yeah. holding it above your head. Static poses. <laughs> People yeah. are so worried about, like, their phone smacking them in the face when you're in bed. 
Yeah. But try the danger of an 800-page paperback. I know. That could break a nose. There's nothing like it. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard life being a reader. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel. <laughs> well, returning to our episode, we are outside of Weston's. Meanwhile, you know, Rory, while Rory is in Weston's wondering what just happened outside, we've got Kirk having a little bit of trouble with the planning going on. And then we also have a fun scene between Lorelai and Liz. So, oh, yeah. yeah, this is our first encounter. And Lorelai runs up to Luke's truck thinking it's Luke, like yelling at him before she's even there. And at first I thought she was going to ask him to be her date to the event. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, Emily had told her to get a date. And I was thinking, like, why didn't she just ask Rory? And it turns out that is what she does. But at this moment, I I don't know why, but I thought she was running to ask him to be her date. And I was like, that will be weird with Jason there, right? But mm-hmm. no, she was running to ask him about, like, the window, remind him about the window and whatnot. Um, Liz immediately assumes Lorelai is his <laughs> wife, which I love. I love, like, having yeah. an outsider in the mix, you know? They've got the aura. Yeah, to, like make it more clear like I feel like everyone around Luke and Lorelai occasionally they brought up like Luke's into you or stuff like that but Mm -hmm. they have almost like stopped because it's just been like this for so long so to have someone new there like we just have someone who can clearly be like well what what's going on here you guys seem like you're married (laughs) but you're not question mark um and then they have a conversation here I thought it was funny like how easily Liz was willing to just open up to Lorelai about so many like (laughs) personal details I'm like is that Liz's personality or does she just find Lorelai's presence very welcoming maybe it's both but um she yeah she's just talking about um her life and how she screws up and Luke fixes it and so on and so forth and that he's one of the good ones maybe the good one Mm -hmm. Um, which was pretty sweet. So he's a Greek god in a toga, <laughs> which I could also have made my Rory's bookshelf because the Percy Jackson TV series comes out this week that we're recording Ooh. or next week on the twentieth. I'm so excited. That's a TV, finally, not a movie. Yeah, it's a TV show, mm-hmm. and each book is going to be a season. So we're going to like grow up with the kids, Aww. and it should be really good. I think kind of like the I Stranger finally Things finished the series a bit. Yeah, but I think they might uh, film, film a bit more quicker. regularly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think they've already filmed the second season, which is good, because if you see the kids in, like, press photos and stuff, they already look so much older than they do in the trailers and stuff for season one. So they're growing up fast. They're at that age. <laughs> but I'm excited. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. We also get a tiny little tidbit where... Liz asks Lorelai if she ever met her, uh, Liz's son, Jess, and mm-hmm. <laughs> Lorelai says yes, but does not elaborate, so that's going to be fun. Yeah, more to be said there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think this definitely is Liz's personality. She just seems like an open book to everybody Yeah, and, like, warm and welcoming, the opposite of Luke, basically. Yeah. It's like a nice <laughs> change of pace. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's just so nice. Yeah, somebody so friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of nice, Ugh. the next scene <laughs> is at Babette's, which 
We haven't been inside Babette and Maury since cinnamon. Oh, since the uh, dinner when Rory cooked Dean that dinner. Oh my right? god! Was that that was before? That was after yeah. Cinnamon's wake. Yeah. I know. I so made it's been note quite a long too. time. I was like, yay! I love this set. <laughs> yeah, they're using they're using this as an opportunity to warm up <laughs> and get hot chocolate from Babette. And mostly, this scene is just for. Babette to kind of catch them up on town gossip and stuff and accidentally drop that Jess is back, which of course they know, but uh, talk about like how terrible Jess is and then apologize to Rory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it was a cute scene, a nice like cozy scene. Yeah, there are a couple lines but. I want to pull. One is that Kirk treed himself and it took two cans of tuna <laughs> yeah. to get him down. <laughs> He's such a cat. I know. <laughs> And then as they're kind of gossiping about Jess and Rory's describing like how he ran away, how he was acting angry, Babette just says, that little bastard. (laughs) That was my just sass attack, just the way that she delivered it. It was really funny to me. Um, But the, the point that Rory raises in this scene, I wonder if you agree or disagree. She says like, Essentially, she says, it's not fair that he is acting mad. Like, I'm the one who should act mad. Mm -hmm. This is my town. Do you feel like she's right or wrong on that? Yeah, I think so. Me too. I think she's right. Because he left, like, in such a dickhead kind of way. Mm -hmm. And then he kept calling her and never saying anything. So she kind of got the last word and everything. But that wasn't because he ever gave any words to begin with. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) Like, yeah, I think she has all the right to be angry with him. Yeah. I didn't necessarily get the feeling that he was mad no, in the earlier scene though just like avoidant scared yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I just I wondered because before when they say things like this is my town it's I don't always mm-hmm. find myself like feeling good about it but here I was like yeah like I do feel Rory is justified and like yeah. that she should be the one to run away as she will later yeah. do <laughs> yeah agreed <laughs> I also gave uh, Lorelai, my Lorelai's closet in this scene, and I think previous scenes as well. Mm. But I've noted her very 2000s scarf choices before, mm-hmm. but she's wearing one that looks like a Jack Skellington scarf from Hot Topic. That's just like a very thin scarf, black and white striped. And I swear that w- that was something that you would buy at Hot Topic for <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> And also, I, I don't think it's keeping her warm at all. No. Uh, it's like three inches wide. <laughs> but I loved it. That's really <laughs> funny. Um, a bit later in the day, we're back at Luke's. And I think this might be when Liz is wearing another scarf that's nice, too. Or maybe a bit later in the episode on the scarf topic. But um, this is the introduction of TJ. And at this point, I would like to note that at 27 years of age after seeing Gilmore Girls many a time, I realized this whole time I've thought that TJ was played by um, Matt LeBlanc, who is Joey from Friends. Oh, my gosh. He's they just like him. They don't look alike at all. I feel though. like they do. Do they? I'm not a big Friends person, so I haven't seen it, but that... I, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... Their personalities are similar. Yeah, but I, like Italian guy. Like Italian similar. goofy guy. Well, maybe we I'll can I'll have to pull. look up a picture. Yeah. yeah. We can pull and see if anyone else had the experience. Um, 
But it turns out this actor is Michael Robert Deleuze, um, not Joey from Friends. Like, I this was on my mind too because I remember when I got the news that um, the the guy who played Chandler had passed away. I was like, oh my oh, gosh, yeah. was that TJ? And then I was like, thank God <laughs> oh it wasn't gosh. TJ. But I I didn't even wow yeah. So that's I've my never, confession. Never heard this before. We're gonna have to see what the audience thinks i'll be really embarrassed if it was I'm just curious. me yeah <laughs> i'm gonna post a picture of them side by side and embarrass you on our instagram or vindicate <laughs> me we don't know yet yeah that's true yeah <laughs> okay we'll see we'll cool. see <laughs> this episode is brought to you by snapple Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Um, but this scene, as it progresses, is another, like, very iconic feeling moment. It's just, it's so good. It's so funny. Liz is like, my men are drawn to me because you've got Luke, who's reluctantly here, and then Jeff shows up, also reluctant, and he gets roped into staying. So then, like, him and Luke are kind of on, they kind of achieve common ground in a bit of the way that they both don't want to be there. So they've got a little bit of, like, back and forth discussion a little bit there um it's all just really it's all really funny um there's plenty to discuss but one thing I do want to question is that Jess comes back because he says he forgot something and we see that it is just like a regular notebook what is in the notebook is my question that's a good question I hadn't thought of it Mm. but my first uh idea is that it's the beginning of his book oh yeah that he writes later yeah what did you think pictures of rory <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is it looks just like a notebook you would have for school but we know he didn't mm-hmm. really go to school much um i always just picture like the notebooks that are for like writing and creativity are often like a moleskin or like something like oh. unique you know but this just looked very run-of-the-mill but you can't spend that kind of money on <laughs> yeah like sad boy poems yeah you can't do that <laughs> I think it definitely has some sad boy stuff in it and for that reason he had to like reclaim it because he was like nobody nobody can read this mm-hmm. I gotta have it <laughs> yeah so probably poetry or the book or just like 
maybe he was also trying to write letters to Rory. Maybe there's a couple oh, yeah. letter drafts in there. Rory never got any huh. out, but maybe he did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I loved this scene. I felt so bad for TJ. Mm-hmm. He's really trying here. Yeah. He's like trying to start. I mean, weird, weird conversations, but he's trying to start conversations with Luke and Jess and they're not having it. Yeah. Uh, and poor Liz is, I feel like she's just, she, I don't know, sees humor in everything that Luke is doing, which is very good because otherwise I would, she would be so angry. Yeah. It's generous of her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had a couple of nominations in the very next scene when Luke and Jess go out into the hallway. The first is my Friday night dinner. Me too. Luke pulls Jess out there. It's so unfair. And he is like budding up to Jess and be like, okay, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to get rid of TJ? And I just, I was really angry at him at that point. It's like, your sister is a full grown woman. Woman. You haven't given TJ a chance. And also, it's none of your business to fix who she's dating. Mm-hmm. And if you if you were the reason that TJ broke up with Liz, <laughs> that would be terrible. Because, I mean, it ends up that they're perfect for each other. But you should never, I think, interfere like that unless there's an actual, like, danger, you know, to people. You just have to let them live out their relationships. Mm-hmm. And he was also trying to rope Jess in on it. And I just was really angry about it and I also have my Jess sass attack in there where um Luke is like he's a grown man with an etch-a-sketch and <laughs> Jess says so shake him really hard and maybe he'll disappear that's funny <laughs> it's great um but yeah I was really angry with Luke about how he was treating Liz <clears throat> not just here but like building up from the first time she showed up to now and yeah. not giving yeah not giving TJ a chance um and I'm glad by the end of the episode, he's kind of turned the page. But I know, but I, I, I love how TJ is just like, you asshole. You by the t- end. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I like I, I want to say I'm genuinely confused about like what is so off putting about TJ to mm-hmm. Luke and Jess. But like, <clears throat> it's not that there is anything really like we know them to be judgmental. <laughs> assholes yeah (laughs) as much as we love them and luke especially with this whole chip on his shoulder of like he's not even giving him a chance you know he's just prejudging him based on the mold of like her previous boyfriends because Mm -hmm. sure it's a little weird that tj is like cooking in luke's kitchen without asking him (laughs) and like talking about maybe extra sketch things but like i just find him very endearing and charming Mm -hmm. and sure he's a little odd but like it really toes up to that whole, like, who gets to be odd and normal in Stars Hollow and who gets to just be odd, you know? Mm-hmm. And that line is always ever moving. Um, I feel like you have to be cynical and odd. Yeah, cynical. To be in Stars Hollow. Yeah, because both TJ and Liz are both, like, cheery, optimistic. Mm-hmm. It's funny that they both actually comment that Stars Hollow has a similar energy to New York. Because maybe uh, they're picking up on the whole cynical thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in the, the scene in the hallway, actually, my Friday night dinner is to mm-hmm. Jess's um, speech, which may be the most words Jess has ever said at one time. Yeah. It's monologue. <laughs> yeah, it was monologue. And 
I am nominating it partly because I think Jess's critique of Luke is really on point. So I'm kind of like highlighting Mm -hmm. some of his own critique that he's finally putting words to how he feels. But then the other half is my critique of his ideas because I think he's right about so much but then wrong about so much as well, which is great Mm -hmm. because that's so intriguing, you know. But I wrote down the whole thing, so I'm going to recite it now. You make it so that when people fail you, you get to feel like the martyr and they get to feel like not only did they screw up, but they also disappointed you. You interfere and make everything worse. No one is asking for your help. No one wants your help. Focus on your own life and leave everyone else alone. Um, I just felt, I was like, oh my God, that was like in like a mic drop kind of thing. Like that's like daggers. Like that is cutting, you know, and I found I found the first half like really puts words I think to what Luke can do which is like helping people when they either don't want it or even when they do want it but then when they do mess up like he gets to feel like the martyr and they feel like they've disappointed him and that is so clearly what happened with him and Jess like Jess was dealing with his own screw up and then also feeling like he disappointed Luke um But then the other half, I think, is like the part that Jess is missing. And I think it is Liz in this episode or maybe the last one who says like sometimes your efforts, you don't like see them immediately. Sometimes they Mm -hmm. come up around later. And I think that's Jess is in the whole like he has been changed by Luke, but not quite yet. So he's still in the like phase of like no one asks for your help. No one wants your help. Leave everyone alone. But it's like. There are people who want his help and ask for his help all the time, like Lorelai, you know? So it's like him as a helper and a fixer, there's like the coin of like the good and the bad of it, you know? And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just found the monologue really, really thought provoking for me. What were were you thinking about during this scene? I agree with everything you just said. And I was also just thinking like, There is already some evidence that Jess has been affected by Luke, I think, just within this monologue, because it shows that he at some point felt guilty Mm -hmm. about how he treated Luke or how he left things. And I don't feel like the Jess who showed up in Stars Hollow in season two would have necessarily felt guilty about it. Mm -hmm. Um, He would have felt fully justified. And even if he's still like denying it and everything, it's obviously there was still something there. He realized that he had treated people badly. Um, so he's already progressing a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I also think that the last part of the speech is really very important because we've seen Luke this whole season neglect his own life. <laughs> yeah. He got married, is ha- getting a divorce, supposedly moved in with Nicole. Like <laughs> he is just ignoring his own life the whole time so that he can. And instead, like, being parts of other people's lives and helping them with stuff, Mm -hmm. like, all the things he does for Lorelai, but he's not paying attention to his own life. He's just kind of running away from it all. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, what is going on in Luke's life? I know. And he's avoiding the his love for Lorelai, all that. I know. He's kind of, like, he's at this point in life where it seems like he's accepting, like, bits and pieces of what people Mm -hmm. are offering him to, like... I'll be Lorelai's friend. I'll be Nicole's um, booty, booty call. call. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, he doesn't have like a full relationship with anyone really yeah. right now, it feels like. 
and maybe that's why he's being he's worn so thin and is at this like breaking yeah. point poor I guy just, I, I wonder if I mean of course he gets with Lorelai soon but I wonder also if April is kind of showing his progress in that because he fights to be part of her life yeah even though of course he doesn't do it very <laughs> like in the best way possible uh-huh. and I know a lot of people don't like April but we'll get there mm-hmm. but he does like <clears throat> fight to keep her in his life and still be in her life even though um Anna obviously doesn't want him there yeah uh, so that's that's something you know he does show some agency over his own life later on <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think Liz and TJ were kind of a turning point for him. Yeah, definitely. Because like once he accepts TJ and, you know, your your sibling, it's almost always, you know, like your like sibling. I don't know. I mean, you can have a whole diff- many different kinds of relationships with a sibling, but like she is completely his sister and in his life if he lets her. So I am once again excited to see more with them. Okay, so later that day about town, the there are people who are playing keep away with Kirk's walkie-talkie, which is sad for him, but funny. Um, and we have another run-in between Rory and Jess, which is like, I love the like the rule of three, you know, like this is their second run-in, so then you're like, oh, what's going to happen for the third one? We know it's going to be coming, but this is another funny one for me because it's like, if they're both trying to actively avoid each other, they're both failing at it. Yeah. Um, if they're not thinking about each other and just going to places, that's another thing. But Rory goes into the bookstore. Where, like, where else would Jess be? Like, <laughs> maybe at his his um his bridge, I guess. But he might be yeah, too scared because of the outside. swan. Yeah, and the yeah, that's cold. <laughs> um, so she is in the shop. He. She, like, turns around a bookshelf corner, sees him, and he huffs and just silently walks away again. It's, like, very dramatic. And, yeah, like I said, we're left to be like, what's going to happen the third time they meet? Because surely they will. (laughs) I also wanted to find out what was on the book list that she hands. uh, Is it Andrew who works at the bookshop? Yeah. She's like, uh, find these for me. They're all out of print. Right. (laughs) And I was just like, that can't possibly be her Yale reading list because that would just be evil of the professor to assign a whole bunch of out of print, hard to find books, but also it's Yale, so. And also like, what kind of stock does the Stars Hollow book store have that they have all these like out of print books? Like, (laughs) does he have like a room in the back full of rare manuscripts or like old books and stuff? Because that would be cool. We should learn more about that. <laughs> that would be cool. Um, but anyways, after this, we go back to Lorelai's house, and she walks in and finds that Luke is already there. He broke in, <laughs> and he is very drunk. Uh, as I said earlier, he got drunk very quickly. He really um, did. He must have just, like, taken shots or something. I don't think he could have drank enough beer in that time to get that drunk. <laughs> but he's trying to fix the window um he uh cuts his hand on the glass because he didn't come prepared in any sort of way to fix a window like I don't think he can even fix glass he probably would just have to put up a plywood board yeah until somebody who 
has a glass window <laughs> could come and replace it. He probably broke another window on his way in, honestly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but Lorelai kind of bandages him up with a Barbie band-aid, of course. And this is where Luke opens up to Lorelai. He, of course, starts out sarcastically saying, like, oh, I'm just a fixer. I'm here to fix your window and stuff like that. Um, but then he tells her what Jess said to him um, and that he he is feeling like an unwelcome burden to everybody. That was so sad. I know. Yeah, it's just like he needed to hear what Jess said, but also the delivery was pretty harsh and sometimes... And obviously his interpretation of it was to kind of spiral, which I think is what most how most people would react to that yeah. kind of attack. Yeah, he's definitely in a spiral. And like, yeah, when he says I'm an unwelcome burden to everyone around me, he starts like laughing after. It's so like yeah. on the verge of sobbing, you know, I that know. I'm like, Poor he's guy. really at the brink there. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to see. Manic. Yeah. Yeah. Lorelai tells him like, not to listen to anything that Jess says. He's unhappy and hurt, and um, he doesn't mean what he says, which is interesting. It's almost like Lorelai is kind of giving an explanation for how Jess is acting, which she has avoided <laughs> so far in her uh, relationship with Jess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, like, I don't know, she needed to hear more of what actually happened to really help Luke, but. She'll get a little bit more of that later. <laughs> it was a touching scene, I thought. It was. It was some really good acting, I will say. Like, mm-hmm. heartfelt and drunk at the same time is a tall order, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I was really, like, distracted during the scene by the Band-Aid on his palm. Um, <laughs> because he's got, like, a lot of blood on his palm. And he even has blood on his shirt. And I was, like... And he also specifically says she's good at this at one point, referring to like her nursing <laughs> skills. And I was just judging it so hard. Like that is not yeah. going to help at all. Also like, like kitty bandaid. <laughs> she didn't disinfect or clean the wound at all. Mm-hmm. She like pats it with a towel. Like, was that a clean towel? I was just really, I was really distracted, honestly. Yeah. Um, but then she says, oh, I need to go leave to get a proper bandage. So I was kind of like, Okay, so, like, she knows. She knows. But then the next scene is her going to yell at Jess. So I was like, was she even planning to go get a bandage? Or was that the cover-up to go find and yell at Jess? Um, Which is what happens here. She finds him out and about town. Um, She, like, you know, yells at him in defense of Luke. And he assumes this is about Rory. And she denies that. And... Yeah, they both kind of, like, are on the defense, really, about, like, Mm -hmm. whether or not this is related to Rory. Like, is Lorelai yelling at him because he hurt Rory? Um, And in general, like, part of me was thinking during this scene, I'm like, how do we feel about this whole Lorelai going to yell at the boyfriend? Because we have, like, seen that before. Like, notably Dean in the grocery store, like... That was, like, in public when he was just a teen. I'm like, at this point, Jesse is, like, 19. So I think this is a bit more, like, fair game, honestly. And I don't know. Like, I'm like, it does kind of show she is a very loyal and protective friend to Luke. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. How did you feel about it? (laughs) I thought it was 
ridiculous all around and very like getting in other people's business uh-huh. <laughs> but I also like at the end just denies that anything that he's here for Rory or anything like that and Lorelai's like good because she's moved on <laughs> which I think is Lorelai trying to convince herself mm. that <laughs> Rory has moved on there's there's like no evidence that Rory has moved on I feel like the writers have kind of forgotten to show us <laughs> any of her like emotional state about the dress stuff yeah. ever since pretty much the end of season three almost mm-hmm. maybe a little bit at the beginning of the season but they've kind of just left everything out Jess is a huge huge part of her life she was in love with him and he broke her heart you'd think that we'd hear a little bit more about that <laughs> especially when she was trying to date and all that stuff yeah um but I also feel like Lorelai probably hasn't heard any of it because we know that Rory doesn't share <laughs> anything about Jess with Lorelai, really. So I don't know. I hated this whole scene. I thought it was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I like I was wondering how you felt about it in particular because like I wasn't feeling that bothered by it, and so I was like, mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder why that is. And I I think part of it is maybe because I was like viewing it from her being protective of Luke, where it's yeah. like. I think, it, yeah, I think it's, like, more fair game to be, like, when you see your friend at, like, rock bottom to go, like, yell at the person you perceive yeah. as having caused <laughs> it, you know? But then when it gets into the Rory territory, that's just annoying for her, like, speaking on how Rory feels or trying to, like, manage that relationship, you know? It's just mm-hmm. really getting into the involved, like, where you don't need to be area. But I do... I do also agree with you that it's like I don't know if I believe Lorelai or not that Rory has moved on because I've had I've seen no evidence for or against that. <laughs> um, but I do find myself like wondering, um, is Jess in town because of Rory in any way? Mm-hmm. Like no one really asks like has Jess moved on? Is Jess thinking about yeah. Rory? Is he using the car as an excuse? He was pretty close to town to get there so fast. <laughs> yeah. Like, for the most part, I feel like the there's evidence that it's like, no, it's not about Rory because he came when, he, when Liz told him about the car and he didn't necessarily know that Rory would be in town. And also the mm-hmm. car broke down when he was on the freeway, like, trying to leave. So I'm like, yeah, maybe he didn't even plan to stay in town at all. But, like, I do like the whole, like, the two characters are in the same place, so they have to, like, confront their whole relationship thing. It works mm-hmm. very well as a sort of plot device. Yeah. Plus, we need something at this point in the season for Rory, because the next thing that next romance we get for her is with Dean. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but moving on to the next scene, which is the function dinner. For the, is it the Ephraim Wordis, uh, let me see what you wrote, <laughs> Ephraim Wordis Rare Manuscript Acquisition Fund Foundation. Yeah, yeah, a Rare Manuscript Foundation <laughs> event, yeah. Yeah, and I tried to figure out why they called this the Ephraim Wordis uh, Rare Manuscript Foundation, uh, because there is, as far as I can could find, like, the Gnostic Bibles and stuff, those are not my, or Gospels, those are not, not my specialty. And that, like, is a good 
500 years really before my specialty, mm. which is also in England and Scandinavia. So I could be missing something, but Ephraim Wordis, I don't believe is a person. Mm. There was uh, Ephraim of Syria, who was a, a scholar in like the fourth century, I think kind of in this area. I'm, I don't, well, not really, but so maybe the character or the person was based vaguely off of him i don't know but wordis also is not like that's not a it's like oh <laughs> a <words>. name <laughs> i know i think they were trying to tack on a latin declension ending to an english word Funny. word <laughs> um so ephraim wordis is not a real person uh as far as i can tell if anybody knows differently please tell me but yeah, so it was an interesting choice mm-hmm. for the foundation title. <laughs> um, I had hoped to be able to make it a fun little teaching moment to talk about manuscript stuff, but it's all fictional, so. <laughs> yeah, and it's a fun scene. It's very much yeah. like Gilmore social scene antics, which I find to be quite humorous to me. Um the whole ruse that Emily and Richard are trying to make their table look full is very fun. They've got their <laughs> secretaries there and they've got um uh they've got a jacket on a chair yeah. to pretend that a guy is sitting there and they're also annoyed that Lorelai brought Rory and that she can't find a man apparently because they're unbalanced with men <laughs> at their uh table. So this allows for the irony of Emily telling Jason and Lorelai to pretend to be together. How convenient, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they're they kind get of to hold hands. Yeah, so they're kind of like, how far can we take this? Like, can we go make out in the coat room? All of that jazz. Like, Lorelai already made out with uh, Max Medina in a coat room, so mm-hmm. we know she likes that. <laughs> but the other notable thing here is that they run into Jason's father. Apparently. Um, he and this guy, they just have such a cordial, professional talk. It's, like, so cold. And we then later learn that it was his father. Like, Lorelai and Rory learn that. And they're like, what? That that man? What? <laughs> we also learned that Jason had an Aquaman birthday party as a child. Oh. Which I think is pretty fun. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see how that was set up with rich people, money. I mean, Jason Momoa was not aquaman at the time so they couldn't have been dressed up like him but Hmm. (laughs) that was an interesting tidbit and yeah i don't think there's much else to say except that richard and emily both treat uh floyd yeah floyd's appearance as like a potential catastrophe yeah so there's a lot there to unpack for jason and his dad Mm -hmm. it's kind of like Jason and Richard business stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still happening, you guys. <laughs> yeah. We'd also kind of known that there was something between Jason and his dad because he left his dad's practice to screw him over. Yeah. So that's sketchy, but I'm pretty sure what's coming next is going to be even worse. Indeed. Indeed. But after all of this function stuff, or I guess potentially meanwhile, back in Stars Hollow... Um, Luke is sober and (laughs) closing up the diner and TJ comes in, the firelight festival has begun and he is asking Luke to come and say goodbye to Liz because they're about to head out after the festival is over. And 
TJ's really trying to offer Luke an olive branch here and give him an opportunity to be a loving, supportive brother. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Luke is very begrudging about it. And uh, he does say that he'll be out at some point. So I guess that's something potentially. (laughs) And we see like TJ putting a scarf around Liz. So this would be the scarf moment. It's like kind of like her green one, but blue. And it's kind of like the tie-dye with bleach effect almost. Mm -hmm. It's very cute. Um, And then we also see TJ like talking to Miss Patty and some others about like the how long the line is for Liz's stuff when they're on the the Renaissance fair circuit and that um, like he we we learn that he goes with her that he's built her a great booth because you know it makes a big difference and (laughs) we like see that Luke is observing all of this so this is kind of like a turning point for him though Mm -hmm. Luke doesn't talk to him quite yet because he has a conversation with Liz um here they chat a bit about Jess and Liz says she has a feeling he's gonna be okay Mm -hmm. this is when she says sometimes things take a while before they sink in like overall I just thought she's very wise (laughs) yeah as a tidbit we learn that TJ's real name is Gary in this conversation which leads me to wonder (laughs) Because earlier, Luke, I mean, TJ asked, I think, Luke and Jess both, maybe, or just Luke. Like, he's like, what do you think TJ stands for? Mm -hmm. Um, But if his name is Gary, like, we never actually learned what TJ stands for. for. What does it stand for? Yeah. I think we'll have to ask our our followers. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like some sort of nickname or something. Yeah. I don't know what his, I don't remember what his last name is. Yeah, that's a... An interesting, weird quirk for TJ. <laughs> Doesn't Luke say Thomas Jefferson? Yeah. <laughs> and then s- someone else says, like, that's a weird guess. Yeah, that, yeah. TJ said that would be yeah, weird. that would be weird. So we yeah. know it's not Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. Um, Liz also, in her infinite wisdom here, gives Luke a pair of earrings and says, <laughs> for the wife or Lorelai? Question mark. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I gave my Lorelai's closet to those earrings. Oh, nice. You know, I love like a symbolic, yeah. you know, thing. So I find these earrings to be quite symbolic. Mm-hmm. I We don't really get a good look at them here, but I think like in a later episode, Liz gives him a necklace to match them. And I think that it's like a purplish kind of rock and like a teardrop pearl or something yeah a lot of her stuff seems to be like dangly and teardroppy and crystal-y from what Mm -hmm. I've seen so that sounds about right at this point Lorelai and Rory are back from the function where they apparently didn't eat so they're gonna split up and tackle the festival and this is where we get Luke talking to TJ and I gave this little bit my gazebo moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Luke kind of is acting a little bit self-righteous and he's saying, you know, I heard that you and Liz are thinking about moving back to Stars Hollow and I just want to say, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, it's fine by me. (laughs) TJ just responds, uh, 
you're kind of a dick. <laughs> well, before Which, that, he's like, I didn't know we needed your approval. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Luke's like, well, it just, it's like, it seems like you're a pretty nice guy and not like the others. And then he's like, thanks, you're a dick. You're a dick. <laughs> I loved <perfect>. it. <laughs> so succinct. And I feel like uh, gave Luke the message he needed <laughs> yeah. to realize like how ridiculous he was sounding in this little speech that he gave I and it was well meant he was trying yeah. to tell TJ like I see that you're actually probably good for Liz mm-hmm. and I like that but of course he didn't say it that way he said it in such a weird way yeah uh, I love it because it's like his delivery is such like that of an asshole or a dick as mm-hmm. CJ said yeah. <laughs> but then like behind it though is what we've been waiting like two episodes for you know yeah. like he's had the aha moment of like Liz is doing okay for herself. TJ's a good guy. Like, he finally realizes and catches up with what we all know, you know? So we're like, yay. But then we're also like, ooh. (laughs) And ha-ha. Like, he's really had a lot handed to him this episode. And he's, like, doing the best he can (laughs) at the end of the day, I think. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, moving forward is my gazebo moment. (laughs) Just the whole scene of Rory and Jess here at the end um so oh wait, we have oh uh Lorelai comes up and Luke gives her the earrings oh yeah yeah I can't forget that because he was like do I give them to my wife or Lorelai and he gave them yeah. to Lorelai not his wife like if I was his wife I'd be quite upset if I mm-hmm. knew that you know <laughs> and it's so romantic that shot was like yeah the bonfire was right behind them and they were standing there it was just like a beautiful shot it really was uh, they're really like building up i think to Mm -hmm. the like it's still so like they're still so long to wait like the kind of like slow burn they're like accelerating the level of burn here yeah (laughs) with the fire behind starting to add kindling (laughs) yeah adding some kindling for sure okay okay take it away yeah moving on to the final scene um rory once again runs into jess who has like been in his car and he found money in like the the mirror part that drops down. I probably the, the from visor. Luke. You think the visor? Yeah, probably yeah, I'm from Luke. Sure it's Luke. And that feels like an olive branch a bit from Luke. I think mm-hmm. because like earlier he had offered money to Jess and Jess was too like proud to take it or he was just annoyed with him in general. So like the kind of slipping it in, I think is the right move. Um, but Jess sees Rory in line at one of the vendors and she finally she's like I get to leave first which is iconic and like she just runs away and she's running in circles and he's chasing her and the the it's just the comedy is beautiful he asks like he's like out of breath and asks where did you learn to run like that which is just like funny because he's implying that she's like really good at running and like he can't keep up with her but she's running very slowly and funnily with like flailing arms like you mentioned earlier um and then you know rory like so earlier jess said something very cutting and harsh to luke and here rory just like really lets him have it where she's like Mm -hmm. i've imagined this moment like hundreds of times i've thought about all the different ways it will go and i'm really curious like what how's it gonna go and it's like what do you even say after that like oh my god and yeah he says the one thing she probably hadn't thought of which is i love you and then he just that's it (laughs) walks away 
drives away. What a dick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. And he, like, drives away, like, sitting. There's a shot of her standing there and him, like, sitting down in the seat, driving past her very slowly. Uh-huh. It's so funny. I, it's so funny, but, like, so cruel, too. It's, like, yeah. theoretically, if she has moved on or she's been trying to move on, like, for the one, the only thing for him to say this whole episode mm-hmm. is, like, I'm leaving, and then I love you, and then he leaves. Like, that is just not the thing yeah. emotionally secure person does. <laughs> like, you got to add some explanation in there. I know. Like, to not, like, to leave her without a word, not respond, and then never reach out, and then for the thing you say to be, I love you, like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> iconic though <laughs> i wish she had written written to her like i would have loved to see mm. them have an epistolary relationship that would have been fun yeah yeah or he could have like had the notebook and been like these are yeah. all the letters i wrote to you that i never sent and here i'll <laughs> leave it with you and she reads it once he's gone or something like that like yeah that'd mm. be rom-com material it really would <laughs> yeah this this was a great ending to mm-hmm. i feel like kind of a momentous i know i said that word a lot but it was like a big episode a lot happened yeah the way that it was like a kind of like a two-parter as well i feel mm-hmm. like really adds this whole this feels like a big kind of like climactic moment yeah. and they have the la 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 music kicking in so you know yeah. what that means like it's like I a know. cue an audio <laughs> cue to be like that was something <laughs> yeah in like story arc yeah uh organization it's the midpoint turn for the whole season i Mm -hmm. think where there's a big big moment that then leads people down different paths yeah to get to the end do we see jess again before well he He comes back for the wedding okay which is this season because that's like luke takes lorelei does he go to yale at one point I think he does after the wedding because he gets Luke's self-help book and then oh, yeah. goes to confess to Rory right. his feelings, like, but Dean no, is there. No, it's too late. Oh my God, Dean's yeah. there. Yeah. He was okay. like delivering a dresser or something. I'm going to throw up. Sorry. You can't talk about throwing up on a podcast. That's, people don't like that, you know, because there's that whole thing about, you know, whatever. I just feel <laughs> ill. <laughs> uh, who is your MVP for this episode? Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to give my MVP to TJ. Uh, I was, I was like, I definitely feel like it could be Liz, but I recall mm-hmm. that I gave her my MVP last week. I just feel like once again, like a lot of the characters, I guess, were like doing their best or trying hard. I don't know, but I just feel like yeah. TJ had a lot to overcome with Luke just being Luke the way he was in this episode. And TJ never really, like, let it get to him at all. Like, mm-hmm. kind of like you said with Liz, like, it seems like he finds the humor in things or, like, he just doesn't let things get to them, get to yeah, him. Very secure. I, yeah, like, it's interesting that him and Liz, like, I feel like one way to read them would be, like, oh, they're so, like, oblivious, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why they just get through life happy and unbothered because, like, they just don't notice things like that around them. But, like, I don't. I don't really like and maybe that's how I felt about them beforehand. But as you were saying earlier, like I do feel like they notice things and they like I feel like Liz has a very clear sense of Luke and like Mm -hmm. how he feels and how he's acting. 
but she's choosing to not react like she's like yeah above it she's like so emotionally mature and is like i see you and i'm just gonna like it's like she knows it's because he cares that she's like letting it happen, but she's mm-hmm. not letting it like bother her. And that kind of feels like TJ's the same way. But then yeah. at the very end, he lets like himself kind of get the upper hand and the final <laughs> word of like, I see you, man. <laughs> and like, don't don't be like that. You're a dick. Yeah. But also like, yeah, we might move to town. And I'm going to befriend you. But <laughs> right now you're a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. I told Luke what he needed to hear. Definitely. Yeah, I think. I was having the same debate in my head. I'm going to give mine to Liz just so that we have both of them as our MVPs because I know I also gave her mine last week. But yeah, I agree. They're just so they're both just like so secure in each other and themselves. Mm -hmm. I feel that they can choose when to take things to heart. And it's also like I feel like Liz is, as we would say these days as millennials, she's been to therapy (laughs) And she can also recognize other people's, like, triggers and other people's wounds. She can see the people who have not been to therapy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And she she knows, like, okay, Luke is reacting this way not because of me, but because of something that's going on in his... That is such a good point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, I... Yeah, I, I feel like the show is kind of trying to make us think that they're just those whimsical, uh people who don't care about anything kind mm-hmm. of hippie-ish yeah. but I don't think that's Hippy-dippy. I don't think that's the case yeah. I know but meanwhile you and I are both are like they're so wise like <laughs> genuinely and yeah now that you mentioned that like she gives the been to therapy vibe it makes me think about how she was like you know I think Jess is gonna be okay mm-hmm. and you know yeah. I think it's just gonna sink in a bit later on like she can identify like he's not okay now you know but like he's gonna be and we both yeah. tried and like he's gonna be okay yeah yeah and he's at that age where <laughs> nobody's okay but they're gonna be okay soon <laughs> yeah 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 oh, what a good, a good two couple. episodes <laughs> yeah what a fun way to come back after our break you know i know i'm excited to there's so much left to happen this this season it's gonna be a ride it's gonna be a whirlwind I'm yeah excited i feel like yeah. they saved a lot to like i know i don't know we'll see yeah all right well talk talk soon soon. thanks for listening to talking fast a gilmore girls podcast don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends join us on instagram and tiktok at talking fast podcast and join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com